Well, hey, Res Life, once again, welcome to Sunday evening service. So excited to be here with you again. Uh, last time I spoke, probably about a month ago for a Sunday evening service, uh, I went through and, and talked about transformation. We kind of covered a couple different verses, Romans 12, 1 being one of them, and then Roman, or Colossians 3. And tonight, I, I really want to kind of expand back out on that. So if you didn't see that previous message, that's okay. You can go check it out uh, on our YouTube channel. But you should be able to follow along with today's message, even in not seeing that. So uh, once again, I'm, I'm just going to kick off here with Colossians 3, talk real quick, and then we'll pray into the message for tonight. So Colossians 3, 1 through 3 says, Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden in Christ. So last time I really talked about what it looked like to set our hearts and then set our minds on those things above. The, the Greek words that we did a study on was the zeteo, the setting of our heart, the direction and aiming of our heart and desires. And then it's the phroneo, the other Greek word for the setting of our mind, which is the, the thoughts and uh, the admirations that we think through and being able to set those on things above. And when we look at that idea of things above, it's talking about eternal things, above things, where Christ is seated, like Paul's saying here in Colossians 3. And in tonight's message, I really want to take a, a sidestep and kind of come at it from a different facet. If you were to picture it being a, a ruby or a gem or a diamond and how many facets there are all around it, I, I'm not necessarily even preaching anything new based off of the last message that I gave, but just kind of coming around it from a different angle and seeing through different lenses. I also love the way that the message translation paraphrases Colossians 3, and it says, pursue the things over which Christ presides. Don't shuffle along, eye to the ground, absorbed by the things right in front of you. Instead, look up and be alert to what is going on around Christ. That's where the action is. See things from his perspective. Absolutely love that. Don't shuffle around, eyes to the ground, absorbed in the things right in front of you. And as I'm reading this, and I'm just kind of feeling like, man, this is a, a prophetic statement for where we are today with social media and with the news outlets and with all these different avenues that are trying to get us focused on the things on below, the things right in front of us, we can sometimes get so caught up in those things that we fail to look up, to set our minds on the things that Christ is doing. That's where the action is, he says, at least in the paraphrase. So the, the exhortation by Paul here is, is look up, get your eyes off the ground and be alert to the things that are going around Christ and then see things from his perspective. That's so much of what we've been talking about of, of shifting our mindsets and setting our minds on things above. Thinking in completely new ways is really taking on a whole new perspective in which we're going to approach the rest of life. That's much of what I want to talk about tonight. And, and this is exactly what I want to do is, is really, I would say, not only help us to set our minds on things above, but then what does it look like to recognize things above here below? And that's funny play on words, but that's really what the, the message is tonight. And normally I do kind of teachings and, and I don't even know that tonight is going to be so much of a teaching as much as it is hopefully uh, 
an introduction to uh, something that will hopefully have you walking away with not as many answers, but really a wonder of, I wonder what that could look like. I wonder what that might look like in my life. So I'm not going to paint the entire picture here, but that's on purpose to be able to send you back into scripture, to be able to search it out, to be able to find these things on the pages of scripture and then see how they end up on the pages of your life. So let's uh, pray into this and then I'll explain this a little bit further in a minute. So Heavenly Father, God, we just thank you. God, once again, I just thank you for uh, the ability to be able to, to connect together through online sources and through streaming. Father, I just thank you for everybody who ends up seeing this message, anybody that ends up hearing this message. I uh, just pray that these words would be just full of, of your life and your truth. God, I, as always, I just pray that any of my words would just fall to the side and that the things that would stick with people's hearts are your truths found in Scripture. Jesus, we thank you for your completed work on the cross 2,000 years ago, and we thank you that, that your work is continuing to do its work today. And Father, we thank you for the Holy Spirit, who's our advocate, who's our teacher, who's guiding us into these truths, and then who's also opening the eyes and ears of our hearts to be able to perceive what's going on around us, truly what's going on around us, what you are doing around us. So Father, I pray that tonight for everybody here, whether this is a good reminder or a a completely new topic of discussion, that we would all learn to see you more within our daily operations of life. And Father, we say have your way. God, I pray that you would anoint these words that that uh, these will go on to, uh, again, deliver life to individuals. So God, we, we love you. Jesus, we love you. Holy Spirit, we love you. And we praise you and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So setting our hearts and minds to recognize things above here below. Really what I want to talk about tonight is the kingdom of God, or scripture also calls it the kingdom of heaven. And, and really that's the entire message uh, that Jesus went about proclaiming, that he actually went about living and, and showing and, and just operating in and moving in. In Matthew four seventeen, we see that it says, from this time forward, Jesus began to preach and say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, in short, we kind of need this part in order to go the places that we're going to go is, in short, the kingdom of heaven is really the the activity of God. It's the the rule and reign of God. So if you have a, a king and you have their kingdom, it's wherever they're operating, that is where their kingdom is, especially in this instance. So any place that God is moving, his kingdom is there. Now, the the big topic of discussion today is really going whether or not we're actually perceiving those things and whether we are aware of those things or, or whether we're focused on something else. So really, when we look at this entire topic of what Jesus went about proclaiming, it was always the kingdom, always the kingdom. Pastor Dwayne's been teaching this to us on Sundays as well of, of the message of Jesus is the kingdom. And when we see that, we start to see where his rule and reign is all over the place. Now, a couple of the words that are within that Matthew 4, 17, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So we we talked about what the kingdom is. It's God's activity and wherever his activity is. And I remind you that in the Psalms, David was saying, where could I go that you are not there? 
He goes, if I go up to the highest mountaintop, you're there. If I go down to the pits of Sheol, down to the deepest, darkest place on earth, you're there as well. And he goes, I, I just, I can't go any place where you are not. So his kingdom is active all over the place, which is what Jesus is saying. And he says, it is at hand. What does it mean for something to be at hand? Well, I could say that this table is at hand because I could actually reach out and touch it. If this table was away and not here, I wouldn't be able to say it's at hand. So Jesus is saying that the, the kingdom is moving and operating in a way that you could actually reach out and, and interact with it. There's a substance there that, that we can then interact with and engage with. And, and part of it is, is communing with the Lord. Other parts is pulling his presence into different areas. We're going to talk about that a little bit. But then he starts off with that interesting word of repent. Now, typically, uh, what I hear people think of repentance as, and I, I thought this for many years, was I was doing a bad thing and then I felt bad enough about it that I started to try and move in this direction. And, and we, you know, we say it's a full 180, those types of things. And what the word there is, the Greek word is actually metanoia or metanoia. And what it means is not just to, to do something different, although that's a part of it, that's an outcome of it, or at least it can be, but it's actually to think in a completely new way. I was thinking in this way, so I was actually going this direction because I was thinking that way. But then in a repentance moment, all of a sudden I have a change of thought process. Something happens inside of me to where that metanoia moment happens and I start looking in a completely different way and I start perceiving in a completely different way that I end up moving in a completely different way. And what Jesus is saying here is we have to think entirely different. Otherwise, we will miss the kingdom of God that is already at hand. And that's a beautiful truth for us to wrap our mind around. So repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. If we, again, you don't have to have seen the last message, but in the last message that I, I did, I, I talked about Romans 12, 1, 1 and 2, where it says uh, that we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. And we start to see how these different verses start to play together, being transformed by the renewing of our mind. When we think completely different, we will start to operate in reality in a completely different way. And all of a sudden, this renewal is happening. This transformation is happening because our mindset is shifting. And we're starting to focus on the things of God versus the things in front of us, which is, again, what Paul's telling us here in Colossians 3. And last time we talked about Moses and the, the burning bush and how there was a supernatural presence that was on that bush or it was on fire, but it wasn't burning up. And again, we get that picture where heaven and earth, the the tangible presence of God and the tangible presence of, of the thing that we call earth uh, were met together to where Moses could actually see and interact with it. And, and I think bringing that picture back up starts to get us thinking in a way of going, wait, I don't know that I've ever seen that before. I at least haven't seen a burning bush before, not in that kind of capacity to where it doesn't burn up. So it starts to make me question, well, what does this look like? Does this even for today and, and all these different aspects? I love the way that Elizabeth Browning, uh, she has an amazing quote that says, Earth is crammed with heaven and every common bush a fire with God. But only he who sees will take off his shoes. The rest sit around and pluck back blackberries. <laughs> and she's saying there's, 
There's heaven all around. The earth is entirely crammed with heaven, she says. And every bush is, is set ablaze to where what she's saying is God is active and moving all over the place. But it's only for those who have eyes to see that they will then interact with it, that they'll take off their shoes like Moses did in that presence. The rest of us will just go about life, focus on the things below and just see it for what it is uh, a blackberry bush. And we might pick the blackberries or we might grumble about the blackberry bush or all these different things, but it's the one who sees and perceives that God is actually at action and moving and doing things in that atmosphere that they will then respond in a way that interacts with God. So at all times, there are two landscapes that are at work among us. There's the visible, which is everything that we could look around and see, and then the invisible. And this is where some people, this, this may be a completely new concept, and I'm going to hopefully break it down a little bit better. But again, I'm really just trying to introduce this to you, if this is new, just to get you thinking in a way that goes, I wonder what that looks like, and then hopefully you'll search it out in Scripture to find it later on. But when we realize that there's an invisible reality, the spiritual realm, the kingdom of God, God's presence and activity, and then the, the visible realm, the earth and dust and everything that we interact with on a daily basis, when we understand that those two things are together and we start to think in a completely new way, we could start to interact with the interactions that God's already doing within our midst. And again, I, I realize that this idea of the invisible mashing with the, the visible could be kind of an interesting concept to wrap our minds around. So I have two different examples that I'll bring up. The first one is an atmosphere that all of us know. We all uh, <laughs> interact with on a moment-to-moment -moment basis, but we can tend to forget about. In between me and the camera, there's probably about 35 feet distance. And there's an atmosphere in between us. There's actually something in between us, but it's an invisible realm, I guess we could say, in between us because you could still see me. And if you're catching on, I'm talking about the air that's in between me and the camera and then the TV set or, or device and, and you yourself. And we know that it's there. We interact with it on a daily basis. We're breathing, which sustains our life. But at the same time, we can't necessarily see it. But then when you, when you take the air and you, you bring it over to an activity of the air and all of a sudden you have gusts of wind, you could start to see where the invisible air is interacting with the visible nature. If I were to walk outside the doors right here, it's actually kind of a windy day and the trees would be moving around. The, the light poles might be swaying a little bit and it's because the activity of the air is moving along them in interacting with them in a way to where the invisible meets the visible and the two start to interact. This is, a, 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 I think, a great analogy for much of the kingdom of God. It will fall apart at a certain point, um, but at the same time, it, it helped me to start really grasping this in my mind and allowing my mind to wrap its, its head around these things. And then when you think about the intensity that air can move and all of a sudden you get tornadoes and, and different hurricanes and the, the magnitude of what can happen. Now you can have trees that are ripped out of the ground. You can have buildings that are torn to, to parts and you can have all of these things that happen because of an invisible realm activating in such a way that it starts to overwhelm the visible realm. 
Now that's, that's one example. The next example would be something else that's all here and wherever you are, I guarantee you, it's probably all around the, the atmosphere that you're sitting in right now. And there's certain little wavelengths that are going through the air right now. All sorts of different wavelengths that if I were to pull out what we would call a radio and set here on the table, plug it into the wall, turn it on, turn it up, tune it in, we would start hearing what was being broadcast by those wavelengths all around the room. They're already here, but you and I can't hear them right now because we don't have the radio to tune into them. And, and so much of this is the same type of thing. It's not exactly the same, but it's the same type of thing of what's happening with the kingdom of God to where the kingdom of God is permeating the atmospheres that we are in. But unless we have kind of a receiver to pick up on, or we start watching the movement among the visible realm, we can actually start to miss it. And, and I hope that those two things start to, to get you thinking in a little bit of a different way of going, okay, well, I had to learn about those things. And then once I learned about those things, I could actually understand how to operate with those things or how to interact with those things. And it's the same way with the kingdom of God. And the more I study scripture, the more I get into the word of God, I actually see that the invisible realm is actually a greater reality than the visible realm. And that's where Jesus would be walking about in his ministry and doing miracles, signs, and wonders, healings, right? He'd walk up to somebody who had leprosy and he would, he would interact with them and they would go away clean. He would walk up to a, a blind man and he would interact with the blind man. And in one instance, he put uh, mud in his eyes and all of a sudden he was able to see. And it's because what we see there is the invisible realm, the kingdom of heaven, the spiritual realm, is then overwhelming the natural realm, overwhelming the realm that we tend to think is all there is. But in Jesus and in other apostles and in prophets in the past and all sorts of different ways all throughout scripture, we start to see where heaven comes in and actually overwhelms the things that we tend to think are natural here on earth. And it's because God in his nature created everything and then the supernatural, the spiritual, however we want to say that, the kingdom of heaven is filled with his substance, his creative substance, his healing substance and all these different things that they could actually overwhelm the the various different things that we're encountering here on earth. So Jesus, in his proclamation of the kingdom, would often say things like, for those who have ears to hear, let them hear. For those who have eyes to see, let them see. He would sit down with his disciples and he would tell them, you know, I, I gave that message, but they didn't have the ears to hear. They didn't have the eyes to see. They, they missed it right? They, they missed the very reality that was at hand around them, and they, they continued to focus on the things that they were focused on, those things on the ground that, that Paul was talking about, where we're shuffling around and focused on the things that are in front of us. And he's trying to get his disciples to come alongside him and start thinking in a heavenly way, start looking not only up to the heavens, but also to where the heavens were intersecting with earth here and now. We can hear that set our minds on things above and we start to think, yeah, I just got to think about the heaven someday that I will encounter. But at the same time, God's trying to get heaven into us now. The, the prayer that Jesus gave us was your kingdom come, your will be done 
here on earth as it is in heaven. And he's trying to do something in our life. And in fact, he's already doing things all around us. But if we would have eyes to see, ears to hear, we would actually be able to perceive what was going on. But that takes a repentance moment. That takes a, I thought that the natural realm, the visible realm was all that there was. But now through scripture, now through wisdom, now through these various different things that we're going over is going, I can think in a completely new way. And now that I've thought in a new way, I can see in a new way. Changing the way we think changes the way we see. And then changing the way that we see changes the way that we can interact. I don't know how to interact with the kingdom of God until I've been able to see the things that God's doing and know how to partner with him. And and this whole aspect of setting our minds on things above and having our minds transformed, having our lives transformed, actually brings us closer to that place of co-laboring with God. The Psalms tells us that unless the Lord is building the house, the laborers are laboring in vain. And, and I believe that this is painting a little bit of that picture for us of being able to look around and seeing what it looks like for the Lord to be building the house. The house could be the kingdom of God. As he's building the kingdom of God, then we can actually partner with him and we're no longer laboring in vain. But the moment I go into to scripture and I'm trying to do things for God is the moment that I could actually start to, to miss the point. But the moment that I go into scripture and I start to learn how to perceive what God is already doing, then I actually have a point of reference to where I could partner in with or I can ask him what's my part in this and he can give me that direction. I hope this is, this is making sense. And like I said, this isn't to give all the answers or to do a full-on teaching of this, but to really just send us away with some curiosity of what this could look like in our life. The, uh, there's a story in 2 Kings about Elisha, uh, and, and I want to really break this down just a little bit because I, I think it builds a, a really cool picture for us. I, I just think it's a cool story regardless, but uh, it's in 2 Kings, we're in 2 Kings 6, where Elisha and his servant, they're being surrounded by an army of chariots and horsemen that are trying to capture them and bring them back to uh, the king of Aram. Elisha is an Old Testament prophet. He was trained up under the prophet of Elijah, and then he gets a second or a double portion anointing from Elijah. And now throughout 2 Kings, from chapters 1 and uh, forward, he's going about and he's performing miracles, signs, and wonders. And you're seeing where heaven, pockets of heaven, are meeting pockets of earth, and he's just moving along in this supernatural way. Well, then to, to get into 2 Kings 6, we start to see where Elisha is destroying the plans of the king of Aram because the king of Aram is trying to overrun Israel. He's sending their horses and chariots out to Israel. But then Elisha keeps getting the prophetic statements to give to the king of Israel to where they can start to avoid the different attacks that the king of Aram is trying to give them. Well, the king of Aram catches on to this, and now we're in 2 Kings 6, 15 through 17. It's where he's sent forward a bunch of chariots and horsemen to, like I said, try and capture them. He goes in and says, Now when the attendant, this is talking about the, the servant of Elisha, of the man of God, talking about Elisha, had risen early and gone out, behold, an army of horses and chariots were circling the city. 
if you can imagine that, the entire, the city was being circled by just these chariots, these horsemen, how intimidating it must have been. And his servant said to him, alas, my master, what shall we do? So Elisha answered him and said, do not fear for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And at this point, (laughs) you have to imagine the servant sitting there and you're going, there's two of us (laughs) and maybe some of the town folk behind us. I don't know that we're going to be able to take on these guys. So Elisha carries on and says, he prays to the Lord, O Lord, I pray open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he saw And behold, the mountains all around them were full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. So we get this picture to where he goes from this, I don't know who you're talking about. It's like the the two-man army we're going to take on all these. And Elisha's just sitting there and he's going, "You, you aren't seeing yet. You aren't seeing what I'm seeing. And he prays that the Lord would open up the eyes of his servant. And all of a sudden, his servant is able to see into the invisible realm, into the heavens, into the kingdom of God, and be able to see all the chariots, the flaming chariots, all the angel armies, the host of angels that are around them, ready to go to battle with them, to guard them, to protect them, and all these different aspects. They were already there. The servant just didn't have the eyes to see. If we also look in, we'll go back in the Bible into uh, Genesis 28. We get a picture of, of Jacob who's traveling between two cities. He gets tired, so he lays down. He's tired enough to where he can rest his head on a rock and fall asleep. I've never been able to do that. But he says he lays his head on a stone, and he, he has a dream. And in that dream, he sees what we call Jacob's ladder. It's a, a ladder that's going up from the ground and off into just the sky. And it, there's an open heaven there. And then there's angels that are ascending and descending. So they're going up and down this ladder and God's sending them out on mission. And, and he gets this vision as he's sleeping. And then God starts speaking to him and gives him a promise of legacy, of provision, of protection. And then uh, Jacob wakes up. And in 28.16, Genesis, we see, When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not even aware of it. Surely the Lord was in this place all along. Like David says, Where could I go from you that you were not there? And he says, And I didn't even know it. I didn't perceive it. I didn't see it until just now where my eyes were opened. How frequently this happens in our life. We're so focused on the circumstances in front of us. And I can imagine with the, the number of people that we have watching, I, I know for a fact that some of you guys have extremely difficult circumstances. I know that it's difficult to take our mind off of some of the circumstances and, and to not focus on those different circumstances. But the reality is, and this does not downplay any of the circumstances, but it, it gives us a rightful view of who God is. God has a redemptive solution for every issue, problem, and, con- or, uh, and uh, circumstance. And he has a redemptive solution that's already being acted out. 
He's already in the motion of redeeming every single circumstance. It's been like that since the cross 2,000 years ago where he was hung on the cross and his bloodshed paid for the sins, paid for the, the torment, paid for everything from here on forward. It's been active ever since. There's never been a moment to where God's activity hasn't been at hand and at play, especially since the, the cross moment, Calvary. So, for every single circumstance that we have, there's already a redemptive solution from God. He's at work around us and in, in doing things around us. But if we don't have eyes to see and if we get so caught up on the thing in front of us, then we'll miss out on the things that he's already doing. We have to aim our hearts and our minds to perceive what he's up to. Otherwise, we miss it. We end up getting caught on things right in front of us. Something I, I started asking myself a while back, I was pulling this up, I, actually in my notes today, I, I just have like an on-running notes thing on my, my phone. And as I'm just in different messages or in worship times, I'm just adding to this. So by now it's like a, a whole notebook within my notes app. And I went and hunted this down and I was, I was thinking... I just had this thought of, am I actually going to God or going into prayer to bring God my agenda or am I going into prayer to get his agenda? And it's not that my agenda is never, you know, valid, but until I get his agenda, my agenda will always be misplaced. My agenda will be so focused on the things in front of me that I'll, I'll just be consumed by those things. His agenda is going, hey, I see that, but I have a redemptive solution that's already in play for it. And when I go to him, instead of trying to bring my agenda to him, but I get his agenda from him, then I could start to see the movement that he's doing. And I could start to partner with that. Whether through prayer, whether through forgiveness, whether through actually stepping out and, and taking the risk of seeing if a miracle sign and wonder will show up, but there's all sorts of different aspects that come alongside being able to see his agenda and being able to see what he's doing. And like I said, unless the Lord is building the house, the laborers labor in vain, to be able to actually see what he's building, to be able to see what he's doing, because he is. And then getting to partner with that actually gives me that co-laboring aspect to where now it comes with his power and authority. When I do things on my own and I do the things that I think are right, they could be good things, but at the same time, if they're self-initiated, then now they come with Nick's power <laughs> and Nick's authority. And, and I, I tell you that that's quite low. <laughs> but when we actually see what God's doing, we partner with that. It comes with his power, his authority, and he's the one who is doing the miracle signs and wonders in all of Scripture. He was the one who his power source was at hand and at play in every single miracle, in every single word of prophecy, in every single redemptive story, everything within there was driven by his power, his authority to bring life in love, in righteousness, peace, and joy, as Paul tells us. Those are the aspects of the kingdom that he was establishing and has always been establishing into the atmosphere of earth. And then he looks for us to partner with and be able to establish those things into earth as well. So we're talking about shifting our thoughts away from focusing on the things right in front of us 
And then, or even, even shifting our thoughts from the prayers of how can I get God to do something for me based on these circumstances, but then shifting over instead to how can I recognize what God is doing in the moment and partner with that. Like I said, this brings peace and power in life. I said it a second ago, but Paul and uh, I believe it's Romans or maybe Corinthians, but he says, the kingdom of God is not a matter of meat or drink. There's an argument going on of all the things they think that the governance is really about the food and the, the different things of the day. He goes, no, 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 you, you're missing it. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. And then he says, in the Holy Spirit. The beautiful thing is we don't do this on our own. God sent us the Holy Spirit to indwell in us. And then through that, in various different ways, he says that the kingdom of heaven is actually within us because we have the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit, living and dwelling in us to be able to partner with those things. And then the Holy Spirit actually reveals those things to us as well. Paul tells us that the, the Spirit searches the deep things of God and he actually reveals to us right? Those who would be spirit-led, those things of God, the, the activities of God, the movements of God so that we can then partner with it. In fact, what he's doing in the, most of what he's doing in the moment, what God's doing and wants to do in our life, even in the midst of various different circumstances, it could feel like we are in the midst of hell on earth, but what God is, is mostly wanting to do in us is actually make us more like Christ, and when I ask God, I've done this multiple times, God, what do you want to do within this circumstance? I've been overwhelmed by circumstances, and a lot of the times he's actually giving me things that he wants to do inside of me. And all of a sudden now there's a transformational work inside of me to where when I ask him, God, this, this circumstance is so overwhelming, and they did this, and they did that, and they did this, and I go, God, what are you doing about this? And he'll show me his forgiveness, He'll show me his mercy. He'll show me his love. And then he starts to produce that in me to where the circumstance may not have changed, but I started to change. And then instead of being overwhelmed by the circumstance, I was able to actually usher in forgiveness, peace, mercy, the, the different fruits of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And he starts to produce these things in us. And these are atmospheres of the kingdom to where, but like Paul, who was locked in prison and had just terrible circumstances, was still able to rejoice, was still able to write letters to the churches to be able to advance the movement of the kingdom of God into the areas around them. Because he was seeing from a completely different reality. And from seeing from that reality and interacting with that reality, he actually had a peace in this reality that surpassed all understanding, like he says in Philippians 4. And he was able to actually advance things, even if the circumstances didn't change. He changed because the kingdom of God was coming to intersect with him. And he was still able to make advances for the kingdom. And then there's plenty of other times to where we see that the apostles would walk into a situa situation or a scenario and then the kingdom of God came down and actually changed the situation. So there's a little bit of both and. A lot of the times he'll change me. Some of the times he'll change the situation. A lot of the times he wants me to partner with him to change the situation. And it's just a beautiful co-laboring between us and God as we walk forward and we start to perceive what he's already doing in our midst. So how do we put this to practice? First, like I said a minute ago, we must understand 
that this is a working of the Holy Spirit. Paul prays for the, the church of Ephesus. This is in Ephesians 1. He prays for the church of Ephesus and he, he prays that God would give them a spirit of wisdom and revelation and that he would open the eyes of their hearts so that they would be able to know his hope and then see his activity, his power, his, his overcoming, all the different activities that he has done, is doing, and will do, that they would be able to see those because the eyes of their heart would be open. I would also say that the ears of their heart would be open. And we see throughout Acts to where Paul really walked that out. He walked in a way to where his eyes were opened. After that Damascus Road encounter with Jesus, from there on forward, he started seeing, partly partnering with Barnabas and the different apostles that were helping in that time. But he started to learn how to see the workings of God and how to partner with those things. And really, that's what God's calling his church to do today, is to be able to rise up and no longer focus on the issues of this world, but to be able to focus on his kingdom and then usher that reality into this reality. It's what Jesus says in Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness and all these other things. The, the cares of this world will be given to you. Paul also says in Corinthians 2, 9 through 10, 1 Corinthians, it says, however, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. That's both future tense, but then that's also what we're living in now, the things that God has prepared for us. We are operating within that now. It says that these are the things that God has revealed to us by his spirit. And this is where he says, the spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. So the Holy Spirit begins to awaken our perspective of being able to see what God's already doing, what he has been doing, what he will continue to do. And prayer is more than asking God to do things, but actively looking and listening for what he is already doing and then partnering with it. I'll say this part, and then I'm going to jump into to three things that I want to send you off with. But Jesus modeled this perfectly. When we look through the, the four Gospels, we see Jesus say things like, I only do as I see the Father do, and I only say as I hear the Father say. Again, he's, he's modeling what he's preaching. He's saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then his entire life is an expression of what it looks to think in a completely different way and to see things from heaven's perspective instead of earth's perspective. And you can look through that. You'll start to see the language of the, the disciples. You'll see the language of the Pharisees. You'll see the language of the people in, in various different ways to where you start to realize they were completely oblivious to these things and they were questioning, how are you supposed to do that? No, Lazarus is already dead. How do you, no, you said that she's sleeping? No, that, and, and you start to see where he's operating from a completely different reality. He's sleeping on a boat to where everybody else is terrified because he's operating and he's perceiving from a completely different reality. So Jesus modeled this for us perfectly. So I want to I wanna give three takeaways. And like I said, really this is to kind of send you off and, and to do your own study. And I, I hope that it will push you into scripture. But the, the first takeaway is really we have to be people of our Bible. We have to be able to go into here. This is the training ground of being able to learn what it looks like to perceive the kingdom of God. And I would say it this way. If you have a dusty Bible, you're going to have a, a distorted vision. 
Anytime we, we haven't been in the word, anytime we haven't fed on this and learned from this and seen Jesus's life in this, seen the kingdom of God in this and the reality that's in this, we're gonna start focusing on the wrong things or we're gonna make this whole topic, the kingdom of God and moving in this way, a really strange thing. But if we are rooted in our scripture, if we're rooted in the Bible and we actually feed on this day and night, if we meditate on this day and night, we don't allow this to, to leave our lips day and night, then we'll actually become people who can actually perceive the things that God's doing and then know how to respond to his voice to be able to partner with those things. So the first thing is we must be people of scripture. And again, if you don't know where to start, I would say start with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Go in and just observe and study and just be like, just admire the person of Jesus, the, the Godhead coming down and, and walking with us for intimate relationship. Go there first. Start looking at how Jesus started moving around, how he was proclaiming, how he was teaching, what he was offering for us, and start building that relationship there. And when we get to know the king, Jesus is the king, then that naturally brings us into the kingdom. It's a, it's a natural byproduct of that, especially when we're focused on his teachings. And then from there, you can move to Ephesians and start seeing the, the magnificent thing that God is already doing all around the earth and the things that he is doing and promises to do and just the, the beautiful nature of Ephesians building this whole picture of God's kingdom really just invading earth. So start there and, uh, and just continue. Build a daily practice of going into scripture for that. Number two is gratitude and thankfulness are crucial for this perspective. Uh, the gratitude and the thankfulness is really a meditation on what God's already done. And when I, when I sit down and I'm so oblivious to what God is doing, and I do this, it, there's times where I go, I have no idea what God is doing. And what I'll do is I'll sit down with my wife and we start to recount the things that he has been doing in our life. Oh man, he blessed us the other day with that. Oh wow, can you remember back six months ago when, when we didn't know if there, the job was gonna be a thing and then all of a sudden it, it turned out and we start recounting and rejoicing and praising the Lord for the things that he's already done. And what it does is it starts to tune me into the movements of God to where when I look back at the things in front of me, I start to see the things above on the things here below. And, and it really does do a big work of posturing our heart and our minds and our eyes and ears to be able to receive what he's currently doing. And then number three, this is a crucial, crucial thing, is to surround yourself with people of kingdom vision. Like the servant of Elisha. He, he had no ability to perceive, but it was Elisha who had learned to see the things around him that others weren't seeing, who was able to partner with him, pray for him, and bring him, usher him, walk him into an experience to where he could start to have his eyes open and seeing the reality around him. Be diligent when you come to church to find others who have learned how to perceive the kingdom in ways that they can actually help walk you into it. People that you could go to for wise counsel. And like I said, this should be wise counsel. It's not just anybody, but finding somebody who has, who has walked this out day after day after day, not perfectly, but has grown in this, is showing a, a life of character, is modeling a life of character, has healthy family, because kingdom really is about a lot of that. Character, family, all the different ways that we move and operate throughout life will display if we've learned to actually walk in the kingdom. 
And then don't attach yourself to them, but get to know them and build a relationship there and see if you could build to a relationship to where you can get wise counsel from them and have them help walk you through this. And then you could become that for somebody in the future. Or if you're somebody who knows how to perceive the kingdom in a healthy way, then finding somebody who you could pour into and helping them look above their circumstances and see where God's moving above them. So I just want to finish off here and I just thank you guys once again for joining us tonight. I hope that this at least maybe perks some interest of searching this out and going, I wonder what that could look like in my life. And, uh, and then we would love to hear from you if you have any breakthrough in that. So Heavenly Father, God, we just thank you for today. God, we thank you for just our time together. Father, I pray that uh, as we all go forward into our week, God, that when we see things on social media, when we see things on, on you know, the news, when we see things hit our, our text or our email or in conversations, God, that we would be those who would be quick to not focus on those things, but actually turn to you and go, what are you doing in this moment? What are you doing in this circumstance? And how would you like me to partner with you? Father, I pray that you would just raise up a generation that's hungry to see your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, that it wouldn't just be a prayer that we pray, but that this would actually move into a daily outpouring of our life. God, that we would be people who would not only cry out, but then partner with the kingdom of heaven and pull it down here so your will is done on earth as it is in heaven. So Father, we just thank you. We love you. We praise you. And we pray all this. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.